I hear the service will miss her. There are plenty of others who can take her role. True, but not many with her level of experience. Are we on track? Everything is running as planned. The judge is giving me a fucking hernia. He eventually saw things our way. Where did you get these photographs? Your Saudi friends felt they'd been shortchanged by the introductions you made. You know, to bypass the arms embargo. These pictures don't show anything incriminating. Unless placed in context of the £250,000 deposited in your Cayman Islands account. It appears that money still rules the roost in British politics. Come to think of it, that's a great headline for tomorrow's broadsheets. I'll have Tony, your head Tony, for this. Tony, Tony. She doesn't care how much money it takes to gain special access to the government. You don't renege on a deal with Foster. You think you can waltz in here and tell me what to do? I am one of the highest-ranking judges in the bloody country. You're not untouchable. Foster will do far worse if you don't follow through on the agreement. You degrade the office of a major by being her errand boy. I heard about your only child, Jane. Keep my family. I heard her transplant went very well. You keep my family out of this. You did say you would help the cause. Let me speak to Henrietta. We have his... People do not need to be treated with kid gloves, Tony. I do war fighting. I kill people. Whether it's a poor man, rich man, or a nobody man, I've killed them all. And I never, ever discriminate. Do we have a deal? Sir Anthony. Yes. Discredit the supplemental report. Judges are never easy. They always think they can wriggle out of their obligations. What about the American? Adjuan Well, from the US National Transportation and Safety Board. My source tells me she's new to the team, her background is clear, an insignificant threat. I can check to be sure. Don't waste my time. That's what you said about the insider. 
<clears throat> Stuart contacted me again. I've put a stop to that. He'll be taking her role after today. Is that wise? You're positive she'll be stopped You want today. to win this war, Foster? You need to win the people. Poison the waters of friendship she swims in, and they'll quietly do the job of drowning her for us. I'll enjoy watching this. I think it's best that you don't. Oh, don't worry, Major Coleman. I've got back seat tickets. I wouldn't want to miss this for the world. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's closed hearing. We are going to hear evidence to establish the conduct of Dr. Mariam Bayard, who led the investigation of the Foster SE-10 helicopter crash. Right. I believe we are ready. Yes. Good. First, would you please confirm your name? Good morning. My name is Dr. Mariam Bayat. Would you state your place of birth and nationality, for the record? I was born in Ahwaz in the southwest of Iran. My father is Egyptian. My mother is Iranian. I'm a British citizen from birth, as my father was born in Egypt, which at the time was a British protectorate. Thank you for that explanation. And how are you employed, Dr. Bayat? I'm a senior investigator with the UK Air Accidents Investigation Branch, based in Farnborough. And what is your speciality? I have a PhD in Aviation Safety and Human Factors from Cranfield University, where I'm also a visiting fellow. You have over 12 years of experience investigating aircraft accidents. Is that right? For the record, I have investigated both civilian and military aircraft accidents for the past 16 years. I also act as a consultant for the Ministry of Defense as well as for the American National Transportation and Safety Board. Hmm. Now, you produced your main report in March of this year. Is that right? That's correct. Since then, you have also provided a supplementary report in August of this year following the receipt of additional evidence. Is that right? That is correct. You have understood your duty to this conduct hearing and the factual matters set out in your reports are true to the best of your knowledge and belief. Yes, they are. Now, if I can turn to the events of 17 October of last year, could I ask you to summarize the accident? Just before 12 p.m. on the 17th of October, Qatar offshore helicopters flight 25T carrying 14 oil rig support staff. They were en route to the oil platforms in the Miller oil field, northeast of Aberdeen Airport, Scotland, in the North Sea. Even more to keep the roughnecks behind on their rotation. <laughs> <laughs> Come 
more like the small break in the weather to deliver the new ship. I hear it's on the Newton platform. Ha! And I thought the food was worse at Miller platform. Uh, we got an MGB oil pressure warning, Captain. That's odd. Oil level was nominal at pre-flight. What's our ETA? Ten minutes out. Could be electrical. Maintenance is always cutting corners. Let's verify the indicator lights. Testing indicator lights. Switching reset. That's a negative. MGB oil pressure and the temperature warning lights are both active. I'm reducing engine power. intruded the cabin. It's coming from the engine. <laughs> That's coming in thick. Crew, we have smoke intrusion. Breathing masks. Emergency protocol. Look, you're just in the craft. It's not responding. <laughs> it's been dropping. Shit. Shit, that doesn't sound right. Crew. Prepare for emergency ditching. Aberdeen Coast Guard Radio from 25 Tango 16. 25 Tango, this is Aberdeen Coast Guard Radio 16. Go ahead. We've lost oil pressure. Airspeed is dropping up. 25 Tango, can you drop altitude safely for soft water landing? Tango, report! Flight 1971 by Amala Bid. Episode 1 The crash was the result of failure of the main gearbox at a cruising altitude of 5,500 feet. This resulted in the loss of control to the tail rotor. Without power to the tail rotor, the helicopter began to spin uncontrollably, where it landed heavily on the surface of the sea killing everyone on board. What was the rate of descent at the time of the impact? In excess of 1,500 feet per minute, in an airspeed of 57 knots. And you were the appointed lead investigator? Yes, correct. Who else was on your team? My deputy, Stuart Brody and Joanne Well. How would you best describe the working relationship of your team? We work well together and focus on the evidence at hand. Joanne recently joined us. My name is Joanne Well. I'm an air accident inspector with the United States National Transportation and Safety Board on secondment to the UK's air accident investigation branch based at Farnborough. In what capacity are you aiding the team? 
I'm a full-time air accident inspector, and my specific area of expertise is in victim fragmentation patterns. You'll have to excuse me, but uh, what exactly does a victim fragmentation specialist do? I have expertise in analyzing air incidents, but my specialist interest is to explore the extent of victim injuries and fragmentation patterns based on their assumed seat locations as related to the crash event and the plane's structural damage. I... I see. Mm. Uh, And were you involved in the investigation of Cutter Offshore Flight 25T? I had limited exposure to the investigation as I had only recently joined the team. I reviewed the FDR and CDR, the flight data recorder and cockpit voice recorder, as well as the victims. This was conducted under the strict supervision of Dr. Marion Byatt, the lead investigator, and Stuart Brody, the deputy lead investigator. And what was your general finding? Uh, The review of the audio recording found that in the last 20 seconds before the flight's black box recording ends, there were crew communications consistent with the loss of control of the aircraft. The flight data shows the aircraft had departed from a controlled flight to an uncontrollable flight path due to a mechanical failure of the SE-10's engine gearbox. How did Merriam handle the investigation? It was a thorough investigation, if that's what you're asking. We analyzed the plane from different perspectives. There were three specific areas of concern. The weather, the decision to fly, and the maintenance of the SE-10. In relation to Miriam, she was open at all times, as her desire was to understand the root cause of the accident without ego. She's the reason why I came to the UK, to work and learn from her. It must be quite exciting to be working with someone you admire, despite the number of concerns about her investigation of the SC-10 crash. I'm sorry, was there a question you asked? Was there any friction between you and your deputy? Could could you repeat the question? (sighs) Yes, of course. Did you clash with your deputy during the investigation? Any high-pressured investigation can bring some elements of conflict, especially when piecing together information from multiple sources. I monitor and readjust my attitude during a conflict situation. This means that I strive to listen to the other person's point of view without becoming defensive. Mariam's investigation became somewhat uh, myopic. There were many investigations at hand to deal with, not to mention the discrepancy in the heli-briefing. Could you explain the heli-briefing report? Of course. Offshore helicopter flights receive a heli-briefing prior to flight to ensure flight safety. Radar monitoring of the North Sea measures the height of the sea waves. No flight is permitted when the sea wave is 10 metres or greater in height, as that is deemed a hostile environment to be flying into, and especially dangerous when attempted to land on an oil platform. But the heli-briefing says 6 metres, which permitted the flight. The investigation noted there was an uh, irregular communication. We couldn't rule this out. In your opinion, was the weather the cause of the accident? The weather was one cause as well as the operator of the SE-10, Cutter Offshore, who were negligent in the maintenance of this particular aircraft. Foster Aviation are the manufacturers of the SE-10 helicopter, yet Cutter Offshore are the operators who fly and service the aircraft. So, 
whose responsibility is it to conduct the maintenance and ensure it is done in a timely manner? The operational service and running of this SE-10 falls squarely under the remit of Cutter Offshore. I would like to turn to the topic of investigation itself. Cutter Offshore helicopters failed to replace the titanium bolts, securing the gearbox oil filter. Yet, the entire focus of your investigation was centered on Foster Aviation, the manufacturer of the SC-10 helicopter. Why was this approach taken? That is an incorrect assessment. Both companies were investigated vigorously. Not according to Stuart Brody, your deputy. In his affidavit, he questioned why the manufacturer had become the focus, and I quote... Despite Cutter Offshore clearly ignoring the safety bulletin sent by Foster Aviation to replace the titanium bolts of the oil filter assembly, the senior investigator continued to exert an intense investigatory presence on Foster Aviation. There are 92 Foster SE helicopters operating worldwide. We had to focus and understand what caused this and whether the gearbox failure was an isolated incident or part of a wider problem. Foster had issued misleading safety bulletins. Actually, Dr. Bayat, I'd like to discuss the findings in the main report that was signed off by all three team members. Can you explain why the gearbox is one of the most critical elements of a helicopter? The gearbox? I can cover this in the point about the safety bulletins. (sighs) Again, can you explain why the gearbox is the critical component? The gearbox provides the lifting power to the main rotor and directional control to the tail rotor, which keeps the helicopter moving forward. What is the purpose of the oil filter assembly? It provides a constant source of lubricant to the gears, which are moving against each other at extremely high speeds. Can you summarize how the oil filter assembly failed, which led to the helicopter crash? The oil filter assembly unit is bolted to the base plate by three titanium bolts. The problem is, titanium is prone to galling, a form of adhesive wear... Galling? What is that? Galling can occur when excessive pressure is used to tighten a nut onto a thread. The excessive pressure causes the surface protective oxides to temporarily break down and particles of the metal jam the thread. And it's these bolts that failed? Yes. As these bolts begin to wear, fatigue cracks appear and it's only a matter of time before the bolt fails. In the case of the SE-10, two of three bolts securing the oil filter failed. With only one bolt securing the oil filter, the excessive load vibration ruptured the oil filter, which was now escaping oil at high flow rate. With oil starvation of the gearbox, friction would rapidly wear away the gears that are transmitting power to the tail rotor. Without the tail rotor, this resulted in a loss of control, causing the helicopter to spin uncontrollably, which led to the crash. Could the pilots have rescued this aircraft? Not at 5,500 feet. I'd like to talk about the materials submitted in the supplementary report. We'll stick to the questions I'm asking. You haven't asked me about the other helicopters. It is your health and well-being during the investigation that I am now more interested to hear. 
Foster did not report the urgency. Dr. Bayat, I would like to remind you this is a hearing into your conduct. A hearing into my conduct that has strangely attracted the attention of the CEO of Foster Aviation. Now, why would the owner of a billion-dollar company want to sit in on my conduct hearing? I think we should go. It's only beginning to get hotter. Coming back to the matter at hand. <clears throat> the bulletins clearly state to replace the titanium bolt securing the oil filter assembly within the next 12 months. It reads, and I quote, the possible failure of the main gearboxes are extremely remote. For the benefit of Foster's CEO and for the transcriber, would you mind reading aloud how remote this failure is? This is highly unusual. This is transparency. Please turn to page 112 of the main report. Oh, I, I see. It reads one in ten million. Foster didn't report the urgency of replacing the bolts because it states that failure occurs one in ten million, but it withheld information but when Dr. it comes Bayard. to... Carter offshore, the operators were under no immediate time constraint as they had up to a year to replace the boat securing the oil filter. What about the three helicopters that had the same design floor? There's no mention of these helicopters in the main report. It's in the supplementary report. The reason why we're all here, but nobody wants to hear about that report. How about we use your discretion? to simply read the two lines on page 12 of the supplementary report. Supplementary report, page 12. Yeah, three British Army helicopters based on the 25T model had the same design floor. The issue was detected at under 200 feet and were able to land safely. Four failures in less than a year. That's not one in 10 million. Foster. Foster. Right to the very end. Did you have authorization to use this material, which the MOG has subsequently discredited? I have full authorization to investigate. Dr. Bayat, you are obfuscating fact from fiction. I will ask you again. Were you given clearance by the Ministry of Defense? No. Then how did you come by this information? A source at Foster Aviation. You knew you were in possession of unsafe information. Foster Aviation had lied about the urgency to replace the bolts This and is reckless behavior. Your actions have fallen below what is expected. Not to mention whether the source was even reliable. My source has been missing for the past 12 days. An alcoholic with a past history of drug-taking who left on her own accord from a rehabilitation clinic. This is a cover-up for Foster's mishandling. May I have silence? <sighs> My questions are related to what has been legally obtained. Now, you reported the incident as an anonymous whistleblower. Is that correct? Yes. And at the time... Were you made aware that if you reported your concern anonymously, you may find it harder to argue that your unfair treatment was as a result of your whistleblowing? 
I don't see the relevance of your it's question. It's a question for you to understand whether you receive protected status as a whistleblower. My name was leaked. My home address was made public. How was I ever protected? It was a deliberate attempt to isolate me and undermine my credibility as an expert in aviation incidents. Can you confirm your work status at the AAIB? What is the relevance of my work status, huh? I'm not an active duty. The Civil Aviation Authority has isolated me because of the matter related to foster aviation. I will remind you that we are here to establish whether you knowingly committed a breach of confidentiality. The CAA has repeatedly failed in its regulatory role to protect the public. It has encouraged a toxic work environment that is contributing to the problem of its impartiality. The House always wins, Marianne. I will remind you, Dr. Bayat, that this conspiratorial view is not shared by your deputy and others in your directorate. What is clear? What is clear is that you knowingly and willingly blinded the investigation by accepting material that had no bearing on the investigation whatsoever. Then you haven't been listening. A foster aviation helicopter was allowed to continue in service. I don't care what happens to me, but you should care about the victims of this cover-up. Because the fate of these 12 people was sealed the moment a foster SE-10 was allowed to take off. Order! Order! I must have order! Episode 1, written and produced by Amal Abid. Mariam Bayat was played by Farida Abdelaziz. Major Coleman, Stuart Brody, the Captain, and the Coast Guard were played by Jason Munn. Henrietta Foster was played by Ginny Martin. Sir Anthony Hancock, the co-pilot in Man in the Park, was played by Michael Batch. Joanne Well was played by Robin Regalado. <laughs>